0: So yeah, that one moves. All right. It's good to be here. Uh, those, you know, I handed out that comparison sheet, and that is one phrase that is in each of the gospel accounts of transfiguration. Lord, it is good for us uh, to be here. And that is probably the most common phrase that I think corresponds with transfiguration. I've probably preached that as my theme for, uh, as a transfiguration sermon a couple times. I know I've read and heard dozens of other sermons uh, with that theme. Uh, there's a hymn in our hymnal, how good Lord for us to be here. And so that is very much a, a common theme when you think of transfiguration. And yet I asked today, is that, who's the us? Good for us. To be here. Well, it's Peter that said it, Peter the spokesman. And so we think, oh, obviously Peter's including himself, us as a first person pronoun. And we maybe think, well, it's Peter, James, and John that are part of that us. And I would I would definitely agree. But couldn't it also be Jesus included in that us? Lord, it is good for us, including you, Jesus, to be here. And that's what I want to really consider tonight as we go through this transfiguration account is that why would it have been good for Jesus to be there? Not just good for Peter, James, and John. We know it was good for them to be there. But why was it good for Jesus to be there on that day? And, you know, and I think let's start off just by putting ourselves in his shoes, I mean, for 33 years, he had been wearing flesh, right? Wearing humanity. That's not to say that he stopped being God. He always was, is, and will be 100% God. And it's not to say that he was just wearing flesh like, like, um, like he was pretending to be human he was just masking himself to be human he ever since the time that he was conceived by the holy spirit born in the virgin mary he was and continues to be 100% human today but for those 33 years or so that he walked on this earth his humanity was always what what stood in front it veiled his deity, it veiled his godliness. Oh, once in a while, his godness, was, his deity would shine through, for example, with a miracle. And people would say, wow, you know, there's, there's that big arrow again pointing to that, that he's special, he's the son of God. But for the most part, it was his humanity. And, and imagine how, let's say, frustrating <laughs> that could have been for Jesus for 33 years. To hide in some way. I mean, understand that correctly, but wasn't able to just be himself. I even think of these things, right? I mean, this is a great illustration of right now. There are people right now in our congregation that have that I've started that I've met since the last pandemic. I do not know what they look like behind these, right? I've never seen them without their mask in their whole life, and and I you know I wonder what they look like or i i think of how frustrated maybe we can we can become uh, after wearing a mask and uh, you know if you if you work with one on for 8 hours or 10 hours a day by the end of the day you're like oh right yeah, let's get this off if you're if you if you have to travel and you're stuck in airports and on airplanes oh let's get this off or even in school they have mask breaks uh to give the kids a break to give the teachers a break and 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 can you imagine just what it's going to be like uh, when uh, the the government or when the governor says, hey, these are no longer required, or better yet, they're no longer needed. (laughs) We're going to be like, whew, how awesome is that to get this off us? Well, now imagine what Jesus has been doing for 33 years. He's been wearing a mask, right? And 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 it, it's much more constrictive and he he it's not like he could just take this off at night or take it off when he got home uh he was he he's wearing this veil of of humanity really hiding his deity or concealing his deity but on this mountain of transfiguration he gets a mask break and he's able to just Be who he is. Be himself. Just imagine how refreshing that is. I mean, we are refreshed when we can take it off after eight hours. (sighs) I can breathe. Oh, Jesus could take it off, take off his humanity and let his, I mean, not that he ceased being human, but he could just be himself for this moment on the Mount Transfiguration. How refreshing that must have been. But it wasn't just the the taking off of the mask that would have given him a breath of fresh air there on that mountain. It also would have been the conversation that would have been encouraging to him that day. You know, you, you think of what, of what happened here on, on the Mount of Transfiguration, and and there appeared before them Elijah and Moses who were talking with Jesus. I, I, I think... Um, Stay-at-home parents maybe can understand this, or if anybody who's been a stay-at-home parent. Uh, stay-at-home parents, uh, maybe you can relate to this, is that if you've, you ever have that time when you were a stay-at-home parent to, where you just crave adult conversation, Right. You can go a whole week maybe just going, you know, start you know, you got a six month old or a ten month old and you're like, Okay, open up, here comes And, and all of a sudden, you know, your your loved ones come home and you're talking to your spouse, all right, how was your day? And and you can't get out of that baby talk. You're just craving adult conversation or, or the only songs are in your head are, you know, the wheels on the bus go round and round or, or anything r- sung by Disney and that's about, the, the, you know, that's all your playlist is and, and you just crave adult conversation. Well, you know, again, put yourself in Jesus' shoes that for 33 years. Yeah, he's he's had some uh, conversations with his dad. He prays all the time and you know, he escapes and he he's got spends hours in prayer. But his day-to-day conversations, the dialogue that he would have had, you know, it's almost like baby talk for him. He's got he's got to bring it down. And and you know, I think we often picture Jesus talking like this. Oh, okay. You don't get it. All right, let me start over. And he, and he always brings it down, brings it down, brings it down. But here, here on this mountain, he is talking to people who are in their glorified state, who get it. And it's not in this account, Luke's account of the transfiguration lets us know what they were talking about. It says they were talking about his departure. And guess what? They don't, they don't reprimand him. They don't they don't they they see Moses and Elijah just see the necessity of what Jesus is about to do. They see the big picture. And what a contrast to to many of the other conversations that Jesus had. In fact, just before this, so this is Mark chapter 9. In the last section of Mark chapter 8, Jesus is having a conversation about his departure with his disciples. And he says to and, he, and, and Peter pulls them aside and he reprimands them, he rebukes him. Jesus, what are you talking about? You're not gonna have to die. Come on. And she's like, oh, "All right, let me tone it down, but not here." How refreshing! How encouraging! This must have been how good it was for Jesus to be there and to have this heavenly conversation. And it wasn't just the the, the dialogue, you know, the back and forth that was going on between between Jesus and. And, and Moses and Elijah, and, and the, the original verb here is just neat that it, it is. It's this this talking back and forth. So it wasn't just Jesus talking. They were talking back to him. But it's also the one-way conversation that wasn't just refreshing or encouraging, but I, I'd maybe even say it was motivating for him. As all of a sudden, you know, out of that cloud, a, a cloud comes over and, and a voice comes from the cloud, and here's, here's God the Father again booming, "This is my son whom I love. Listen to him." Those words may sound familiar uh, to us. We, look, we actually looked at those uh, at the beginning of our sermon series, on your mark, as, as Jesus was baptized. It's not a coincidence that Jesus ba- or that God the Father basically repeats. What he said at Jesus' baptism, you know, I almost pictured God the Father like a like a coach. You know, that, that here he is. You know, you, you go to Jesus' baptism. So That's right when Jesus is about to step onto the public scene. He, he's about to start his public ministry, the, the last stretch. And so, so it's, it's God the Father. It's like giving that pregame locker room speech. All right, all right, you're about to be, you know, the pub, everybody's going to be watching you, and, but you're going to be fine because, you know, you are my son whom I love, and, and I am well pleased with you, so let, let's go out there and get him. You, rah, rah, go, you know, go team. Well, now... That game's almost over. It's the fourth quarter, and it's a close game. You know the outcome is hanging in the balance, and it's tense, and you know you can feel the tension in a in a in the stadium. You can feel the the tension in the in the gym. And what does God? You know, it's like God, the heavenly Father, calls a timeout here, and he and he and he speaks to his son one more time. And what does he say? He says, "Hey." This is my son. For everybody here, you're whom I love. With you, I'm well pleased. Listen to this guy. It's like, it's like God the Father saying, hey, you're, you've been doing great this last three years. Keep it up. I, I think everybody should listen to you. You've done everything I've asked. So, so let's finish strong. And, and just how motivating that would have been for Jesus. So, so you know, it, it's, it's good to be here. For Jesus, that he's getting refreshed, that he's getting encouraged, that he's getting motivated. And, and like, you know, I mentioned this is this is part of our series. This is really the last Sunday of our series on your mark. And I, I think it's so fitting to, to have that picture because that's what that's you know, we've seen Jesus on his mark. We've seen him set. And and what happens there on, on Transfiguration is really okay. He, he can hardly stay in those starting blocks anymore. Right? Now I'm set to go. I'm set to carry out the purpose for which I came and carry it out to the full to cross that finish line. And that's why it's good. It's good for Jesus to be there. But what about us? Why is it good for us to see Jesus there in this way for the very same reasons that it was good for Peter, James, and John to be there. Because, you know, what did they see? They saw Jesus. Okay, they saw Jesus in this dazzling white robe. They saw him in all this glory. Why was that good for them to see? Why was it good for them to see Moses and Elijah in their glorious splendor? It wasn't just Jesus they saw. They saw these other two guys in glory as well because that's what their heart's desire was. That is what is waiting for them. That is what is is waiting for us. What an encouraging thing for us to say, you know what, that's going to be us someday. That that our, our lives aren't just about what we see in the here and the now, it's not just about these bodies that we carry or about our calendars or about our checkbooks or about the, the things of this world. This body, the Bible says, is just a tent, right? Our, 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 our life is not about the, what we see right now. Uh, We are looking forward to something so much more like Abraham says, you know, like, you know, we are looking forward to a city that is, whose builder, whose architect and builder is God. Uh, Like Job, we know that this skin is going to be destroyed, but we know that we are going to have a, with our own eyes, with a glorified body, we're going to get to see Jesus. We're going to be like Moses and Elijah. That we are going to, you know, the well, Philippians three says, you know, our bodies are going to be raised like what, like his glorious body. So as much as it is awesome to see Jesus like that, you know, what what's so good for us to be there is that that's a foretaste of what we're going to look like. That's what we get to look enjoy. We get to wear we get to wear robes that are going to be so white, bleached better than any. Launderer that you know, you know. Maybe think of who's the best launderer you know. You know who can who can get a grass stain out of any any pants, or who can get that red wine out of the carpet. Uh, Mark tells us here. Mark says, you know what? Nobody who can bleach in the world can make clothes as white as this, because these are washed. These are washed in the blood of the lamb. That's what you and I have to look forward to. So, so yeah, look, look with Peter, James, and John and see, see that's a foretaste of what you and I are going to be like. How refreshing is that for us to be there? And then listen. Listen to the conversation that, that Jesus is having with Moses and Elijah and, and, and be encouraged by that, that that's how our conversations are also going to be. I mean, isn't it awesome to just think that we're going to have conversations where nobody's going to belittle us or embarrass us? Or we're going to have conversations where we're not guilty of belittling or badgering or embarrassing someone else. Isn't it awesome to think that we're going to have conversations with people where we're, we're always on the same page? You know, there's no reaching across the aisle because there's no aisle. There's no divisions. And how how awesome is it going to be to think that the conversations we have in heaven are always going to be with fellow believers, that we aren't going to have to walk on eggshells, that we aren't going to have to have our faith questioned or, or, or ridiculed. You know, what we, what we see there, what we hear there on, on the mountain of transfiguration is, is just so encouraging that that's what you and I have to look forward to. And, and, and not only do we get to look forward to this dialogue that we'll have with saints triumphant, with people like, like Moses and Elijah and Jesus himself, but we'll, we'll also get to hear that same commendation from our Heavenly fathers. He says, this, this is my child, whom I love. And that is what's going to motivate us to serve Just like that that voice motivated Jesus to finish his work, so too we get to serve day and night. And so, you know, I kind of of like this picture and I kind of don't like this picture. Because usually the pictures that I see about transfiguration show show Peter, James, and John, like the Bible describes them sometimes that their their faces are in the dirt, right? Because they're so scared. But there was a time before they before they hit the dirt. You know, this is, what, this is when Peter said, Hey, it's good to be here. Because he saw Moses, he saw Elijah, and he saw Jesus. And so we we too, we pull up next to them, we just gaze. We gaze at this glorious picture today and are amazed at our dazzling white Savior. But we are also just looking at that and saying, you know what? Someday that's going to be us. All in glory, all in white, with our Savior too. Yet one of the most glorious things about the account of the transfiguration is not this scene. It's what happens at the end of this scene as they were coming down the mountain. To think about what Jesus did, that he, he left this temporary place of glory so that he could achieve an eternal place of glory for you and for me. And that's what we're going to see so clearly over the next six weeks as, as Wednesday starts the season of Lent, a season in which you know, we see Jesus making all these trade-offs. We see him trading in, a, you know, a, his, his white robe, his whiter than anybody can bleach it in the world, his white robe of glory for a purple robe of mockery. And we'll see him trading in these, this, this heavenly conversation with Moses and Elijah for insults to be hurled at him by passerbys, passersby. Or we'll see him trade in this, this endorsing, endorsement from his Heavenly Father and he'll trade that in for silence from his Heavenly Father as he cries out, my God, my God, where are you? Why have you forsaken me? And we may be wonder, why would Jesus do that? Why would he give up all that for this? Why would he, go, come, why would he come down this mountain? And the answer to that is simple it's you it's you he was so willing to empty himself of everything that he had there to empty himself being poured out like a drink offering so that he could fill you and me up fill you up with his love fill you up with his forgiveness so that one day he could fill you up with his glory as we stand with him on the heavenly mountain. And we'll say, Wow, how good, Lord, to be here. Amen.